All chakras are clots of energy and information, but they contain knowledge about everything absolutely. The intentions of others, sense of space. And of course, chakras have a great influence on our physical body, our physical shell. The body becomes strong, powerful, healthy, radiant. Chakras directly rule the consciousness of those who live this life. Hello, Sairam, friends. We continue our fascinating journey with Imram Giri. Greetings to everyone. Greetings, Fiatoslavci. Today we are going to delve into another topic that is absolutely endless. I anticipate that we are going to make many more related videos covering the chakras topic. This is one of the most fundamental matters in yoga practices in general, and it is really endless. Your experience may be different, but I can happily say that many people I have met in my life, who are far from esoteric and yoga, however, know what chakras are. So the words chakras, seven chakras, are widely known nowadays. Another thing is that even experienced practitioners don't always understand what chakras are, but many people, even those far from yoga, at least have heard about chakras and know that there are seven chakras that are kind of energy points in the spine and head. Actually, I think that this is Dvapara Yuga that has already come. We are getting farther and farther from Kali Yuga, and information starts to break through, even be it still obscure. Well, chakras. Let me start with the following. My question originates from my experience of talking to different people. The question is whether chakras do objectively exist, or this is nothing but a concept invented by yogis. I'll explain. Maybe you came across this viewpoint as I did. Some people think that chakras don't really exist, neither in the spine nor in the brain. If you believe that they exist, it means that they do exist. If you begin to work with them, it means you do something with them. But objectively, the seven chakras, five of which are in the spine and two in the head, do not exist. How can you comment on this point of view? Let's start with the meaning of the word. In Sanskrit, chakra means a wheel. This is a spinning power. The majority of people know that chakras are located at particular points. They know about Muladhara, Svadhisthana, Manipura, Anahata, Vishuddha, Ajna, and Sahasrara. These chakra names are universally known. In fact, there are many more chakras. I'd say there are 64 of them. What are chakras? These are energy vortexes. Outwardly, they are like wheels, circles, spheres in which the energy information elements of a human are concentrated. The central, major chakras that I have already mentioned, Muladhara, Svadhisthana, etc., are known to many people. They are located along the spine. In yoga, we view them as six or seven sensitive spinal centers. Now pay attention, there is a notion of spinal centers. It means that this is more a mind-body aspect. 
In other words, chakras are intertwined with the human chemistry. I'd say that this is our biopolar mental component that resides in our structures, in the structures of our bodies. Starting from the subtle body, say, a high-level astral body, down to the etheric plane in the physically concentrated body. For me, chakras are a projection of the astral world. This is just a general concept. You are right to say that this is a very broad topic and we won't be able to cover it in one video. However, today we can introduce people to the topic to shape their basic understanding. Chakras are intertwined with our mental functions. They are intertwined with our psycho-emotional body, with our energy body, that is closer to the physical body. I'm talking about the etheric plane, more subtle bodies. And of course, chakras have a great influence on our physical body, our physical shell. All these are the shells of our bodies. All these shells represent one big energy information body that we view as Atman, or the sublime consciousness. Somehow this clot of energy emanating that power, or an energy information component, generates these vortexes in the whole body, from which our physical shell materializes, crystallizes gradually, step by step, down to the densest parts of the body, like bones, hair, bones, nails. Now, what are chakras from the standpoint of common understanding? Let's imagine that we have absolutely no understanding about yoga, but we are interested in chakras. How can we find these chakras? How can we know that they do exist? People may now turn to an anatomy chart. An ordinary medical anatomy chart or they could take a nerve guide. There is also a chart. Looking at these charts, they will see large groups of nerve endings located along the spine up to the top of the head. We'll see nerve plexuses located in the lower body and up to the head. They are at a certain distance from one another. Chakras are located where these nerve plexuses are. It means that nerves or nerve plexuses are energy channels that look like that on the physical plane. But they are very subtle. The same is true for water that is also a very subtle element or substance. It is very close to the energy level. It becomes dense when freezing into ice. And an energy channel becomes more materially manifested and takes on the shape of nerve plexuses. Finally, nerve plexuses conduct impulses that sustain life, maintain or provide the conductivity of electricity, and send signals. This may be an oversimplified explanation of this phenomenon. It really needs to be thoroughly studied. 
However, if people study these medical guides, charts of the human body, they will clearly understand where these chakras are located. In any case, they can assume that chakras are to be found at these levels. Now, speaking about the mental component, it is not only manifested on the mental plane, but is related to one's emotions as well. Psyche and emotions are closely related to each other. Yogis have long been saying that. Siddhas have long been saying that to some extent chakras directly rule the consciousness of those who live this life. For example, some people can see the subtle plane, the body of light or the plasma body. They can see aura. Today we have devices that can see auras and devices that capture the clots of this energy at the points that I have mentioned earlier. When a calm person gets nervous, these devices register changes of the aura colors and it's seen from their body topography that in this or that part of the body a part of this chakra becomes very bright. For example, if the heart chakra manifests, the person may be in love or emanate the feeling of love. When one is angry, their Manipura chakra activates in the area of solar plexus. It means that these centers are intertwined with our psycho-emotional plane. On the physical plane, a chakra, for example Muladhara, has certain capabilities. Chakras are regarded as having superpowers. All chakras are clots of energy and information, but they contain knowledge about everything, absolutely. I am deeply convinced of it. This is my personal experience. You know that I pay less attention to external materials, as I have very much to do. To a greater degree, I experienced it and gained all the knowledge that I have now from meditation or from internal states. By the way, this is a process in which chakras are directly involved, because chakras, being the clots of energy and information, contain the knowledge about everything, as I have already said. During seminars, I say that our chakra environment helps us learn what happens on the physical plane, on the etheric plane, and so on, up to the highest worlds. As our subtle consciousness is becoming more and more manifested, it enables us to notice very subtle changes in the structures of our universe. This is not only a physical universe, but first of all a spiritual universe, because in their essence, chakras are spiritual projections of spiritual worlds that also contain information about what is going on in our favorite physical universe. People with ordinary consciousness cling to the physical world. By the way, when one's consciousness becomes dense, when one's mind becomes rigid, figuratively speaking, when one gets too attached to material things, chakras stop functioning as they should. This is a very important point. I'd like everybody to pay attention to it. If we want to become subtler, to be more perceptive to the subtle processes of Mother Universe and resonate with it, 
We are to make our own nature subtler and our mind more nimble. A nimble mind doesn't mean one that obsessively urges you to do this or that. It becomes more agile in terms of subtle perceptions. This has to do with the neural circuit. And of course it has to do with yoga practices, with Kriya Yoga practices, first of all. It enables one to quickly complete an evolutionary stage. This is why chakras play a very important role today. You are absolutely right in saying that this is a very important part of yoga. Today over 90% of spiritual yoga practices are linked to chakras. Why? Because at the initial stage, there are several levels of understanding of yoga. At the first, basic level, people may know nothing about chakras, they've only heard about them. They have no knowledge, they just heard about it. The second serious milestone is advanced yoga, where one goes through the experiences that are linked to their centers. Their inner world starts to awaken in them. They become more perceptive to these sublime processes. And when going through the third ultimate course of yoga, yoga of the high path, you immerse in these spheres, in this spiritual something, and transform all this to rise even higher and dissolve. In other words, we should pass through these chakras, we should pass through these worlds. Sad as it may seem, the majority of people dwell at the level of the Muladhara, Svadhisthana or Manipura chakras and can't rise higher. This is a very big problem. One has attachments preventing one's spiritual growth. These chakras contain information, as I have said, knowledge, opportunities. However, they are also knots to be untied. And we can't untie a knot until we learn the technique of doing it. In particular, Kriya Yoga brings us an immediate understanding of how to untie or even cut those knots, if you like. There are particular Kriyas that help here. For example, everybody knows the phrase, Richard of York gave battle in vain. This phrase works at the physical level. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. And people habitually believe that chakras are of these colors. Basically, it may be true. But I saw chakras of different colors in different ways, and I got information from different masters, yes. I talked to different masters who were rather advanced, but hadn't attained realization by then. And they used to say that it wasn't really so, that the Muladhara chakra could be red, but it could as well be indigo or black in some cases. Colors change depending on the state of one's consciousness. For example, one can stain the red so that it turns brown and the brown can become black. And vice versa, the red can be so pure or there can be so much fire in it that it'll become orange and then bright yellow. This is linked to the state of one's consciousness, but basically one can perceive it as infrared, the first one, the musical note C. 
I think you know that chakras are related to all planets. All planets are related to numbers from 1 to 9. This is the basic level. All chakras, all planets, all numbers are related to the basic colors. All colors, planets, chakras and numbers are related to minerals, semi-precious and precious stones. This is astrology, and all these advanced knowings are to be gained during practice. Yes, you can read astrology books or other yoga-related materials to learn about their interrelation and correlation, and what you'll get is just separate pieces of information. But an inner practice will help you understand how everything is connected. By way of example, I can say that the Muladhara Chakra is responsible for one's sustainability. One's sustainability is linked to one's physical health. If a person is physically weak, their Muladhara doesn't get enough energy, and the energy leaks. Causes of such leaks may vary. It may be caused by one's karma. Of course, everything is caused by karma. However, one can bring negative karmic information from their past lives and settle it in this incarnation. In this incarnation, they may attain a negative realization, perform an action, and achieve a certain result along the way. Another reason is otherworldly influence. Whether we want it or not, whether we believe in it or not, this world is populated by many entities other than humans. There are a lot of them, and these subtle creatures, as a rule, need to express themselves via human beings. Because these are humans that are capable of acting consciously and have the freedom of choice. No being living on Earth, in this space, and there are 8,400,000 species and subspecies, None of them has this important opportunity as the freedom of choice. God hasn't rewarded them with it. God didn't give the freedom of choice even to angels. Just imagine how sublime human beings are in this respect, and how low they can fall if they wrongly exercise this freedom of choice. Chakras are involved here because they carry information about both negative and positive components. In other words, about all the experiences of this person, their past life experiences, about what they did, who they communicated with, whom they liked and disliked. For example, one can meet someone else and feel they don't like this person for whatever reason. He didn't do anything wrong, but something is wrong here, I feel it. Where does it come from? We can suppose that this is a highly intuitive person and they feel intentions of other people, for example. But more often than not, this knowing comes from the past. These people met before. One deceived the other. One gave the other less than he was to. Or they had a conflict. And they came into this life with this information recorded. They meet again to mend relations to make their chakras denser, in a good sense, better. Their energy information field becomes more or less clean. They just don't like this person, they don't know why. There are also people who are the heart and soul of any company. Others like them a lot. All this is recorded in the chakras and often, when one practices advanced techniques of Kriya Yoga like Guru Pranam, 
They open up their centers, they open up their sensitive spinal centers that control and release this information. And when one practices properly and opens up these centers, a unifying wave and an energy information component are also released to unify all chakras implementing the principle of unity. By the way, skipping ahead, I'll tell you that Advaita Vedanta and the state of non-duality in yoga can't be achieved if there are gaps between chakras. It's impossible if chakras are in conflict and distanced. For example, in Kriya Yoga we have a technique of the highest level, Pranakriya. When we work with the entire spine and build Sushumna, the central nadi, it helps practitioners enter the state of non-duality only because it unties all chakra knots and unites all chakras. I'm skipping ahead when saying that the divine cave or the vessel of transcendental power that I often talk about is filled with energies of all chakras that are already united as one whole. During practice, we try to feel one whole from head to toes, and this will be one big chakra that, like a nesting doll, contains a lot of centers that don't conflict. That's how it is. On the physical plane, for example, if the Muladhara chakra contains enough energy, is clean and good, if the person controls these processes and fills this chakra through practice, it promotes longevity, increases one's life expectancy. It's the keeper of ojas. So, this is a vital force that is to be expended properly and very carefully, because otherwise, the life cycle may reduce. This is the responsibility of the Muladhara Chakra. By the way, there's a good reason for Lord Ganesha to rule the Muladhara Chakra. He opens up all opportunities. What are the opportunities for those whose Muladhara is weak? There will be a few of them. What happens in the body when the Muladhara Chakra is filled with energy? The body becomes strong, powerful, healthy, radiant. It has a pleasant odor, an aroma. Such body sweats with Amrita when the chakra has this enormous potential of spiritual power. This is not simply energy, this is spiritual energy. The Svadhisthana chakra, for example, provides an opportunity of understanding, sensation, perception of one's psychic centers, even though it may seem strange. The psychic center is here and Svadhisthana is in the lower spine. How? All chakras are interconnected and we saturate them with our consciousness. For example, those who have saturated Svadhisthana and control it, who lead a proper lifestyle and don't waste their energy or get angry and so on, begin to calmly feel the intentions of others, the space, their taste becomes very pure. 
For example, they begin to feel that food is not very fresh, where ordinary people wouldn't notice anything. Many people are meat-eaters. And now when you feel the smell of kebab, it seems to you that this smell is like that from a crematorium. This is something absolutely different. You realize that this is the smell of rotting, but other people find it delicious and eat it, unfortunately. Those whose sensitive centers get subtler, not in vain are they sensitive, become elaborated in all aspects. They become sensitive, subtle, delicate, very creative, and so on. It's very important that with this broad and profound answer you have confirmed the important yogic concept, chakras do exist. In other words, this is not a fiction of someone's mind, but an objectively existing spiritual anatomy of the human. Those who say that there are no chakras, that we invented this concept and work with it, the same very way one could say there is no liver nor kidneys. But this is the human anatomy, and chakras in their essence are in the anatomy of subtle bodies. They do exist objectively. There is one more question that you've actually already covered, and it is related to a very widespread purely yogic belief, that chakras exist only in the causal astral world, but not at the physical level. And when you started to talk about the nervous system, the human structure, the physical structure, you even suggested that people study the human anatomy, which is obviously physical, and we see that even energy channels, that in their essence are also chakras, are certain points that are physically manifested. That's it. This is very important. As chakras are manifested at the physical level, among others, the energy, or rather energy information component of chakras can affect one's health. We have already talked about it. But there is one more important point. The highest God realization in Sanskrit, Shiva Suruba Samadhi, where you vanish from a flash of light, how is it possible? As chakras and channels are manifested at the physical level, among others, at a certain point the physical body will go through transformation. This is the so-called vanishing into the rainbow body. We say that great Mahatmas, like Garaknath, Mahavatar Babaji, Padmasambhava, live in golden bodies. We call them golden, though they are not made of gold, because all chakras and golden channels are manifested at the physical level, among others. This is really very, very important. You already started to talk about the following. I had this topic listed on my agenda too. It relates to the color of chakras. This is really great that the color of chakras can be perceived both objectively and subjectively. This is yes and no at the same time. Different branches of Kriya Yoga have their own views about the colors of chakras. In Yogi Ramea's branch that I practice, we view chakras as shining points or spheres or shining vortexes. We don't take the color into account. Sometimes I am asked whether one can meditate like that and see the color. And Yogi Ramaya's answer to it is to apply it if it's useful. But this is not part of our techniques. 
Let's focus on this point. We have a rainbow, a sacred rainbow whose colors are related to chakras. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Yes. You have mentioned that when we look at chakras through the subtle space with our subtle glance, they can surprise, seem to have different colors. For example, if one's chakra is unclean, it doesn't look blue, Vishuddha, but takes on a dirty color. It's like an artist-to-artist -artist conversation, or pure yellow color may be dingy. Okay, it's understandable. But how can you explain that, apart from being pure or dingy, chakra colors can be absolutely different? For example, Svadhisthana is orange, pure or dingy. Anahata is emerald green, pure green or dingy green. But how can you explain chakras being of absolutely different colors, if that's ever possible? You've mentioned it briefly. Your question begs another. How can you explain that the sun, the yellow sun that we love so much, is in fact blue? The sun is blue, isn't it? Many scientists talk about it nowadays, but we perceive it as yellow. Why does it seem yellow to us? Because of the many filters. Among them are atmosphere and so on, up to the nosphere and all that. Therefore, chakras are subtle materially manifested types of energy. It is a common belief that the Ajna chakra is indigo. But in Tantra Yoga, it is perceived as black. Why? Because this chakra is linked to emptiness, and in this emptiness there is Mother Kali. Mother Kali is black. So it all depends on what we are trying to see and understand, or on the sphere of this being in which our consciousness finds itself. Speaking about emptiness, it can't be simply green or orange. Emptiness is all-pervading. We perceive it as absolute darkness. But this darkness is so all-pervading, so powerfully present and radiating everything that it represents, that we can see this color with our eyes. This is why in yoga, real masters don't ask to visualize the color red. There are different types of radiation. The spectral wavelength is dependent on the frequency. The frequency may change and so will the color. Because it can vibrate faster or slower, be inert, it can vibrate at higher frequencies and colors will change accordingly. When we see the color orange or purple, red or pink, we just perceive different frequencies. Frequencies contain certain information. So every color that we see carries some sort of information. There is even separate branches of science like color therapy or sound therapy that heal through changing the frequencies. This is why in yoga, masters don't view colors as patterns. 
When I am just like you asked whether one may visualize Muladhara as a red chakra, my advice is not to distract themselves with this. Your task is to feel this chakra, live through it. Your task is just to see the light there. It is enough. The color will show up during practice. For example, a medium or a clairvoyant, those who are now thought to be clairvoyants are not really clairvoyants because true clairvoyants are highly spiritual beings. Well, a medium or someone possessing extrasensory paranormal abilities can see a human aura. A well-trained paranormalist takes into account the environment through which they see the aura. They may say that your aura is blue while in fact it is green. But they go, I see that your aura is blue because I take or I don't take into account that I see your aura through the prism of mine. That is to say that when a paranormalist's aura is green and someone else's aura is blue, they should understand that they see it through their own aura. If they look at another person's aura without any regard to their own, the aura of the one they are looking at may be, say, turquoise-colored or have another color. One should always remember about the environment through which they look at another's aura. One should always keep in mind the state, the feelings of that person and through what type of environment they are looking at their centers. So it's better, as you have mentioned, so it's better to see a shining point or sphere, as your master Yogi Ramea taught you. One may see it, but best is to feel it, or imagine it, yes. However, visualization generally hinders us from concentration and visualization of the experiences, because to a higher degree this involves brain activity. It has more to do with the projection of the mind. I visualize and my mind is active. But our task is to learn to feel. This is why I always say that what's important is not to see, but to feel that center in which your consciousness is at the moment. To experience physical sensations, for example, in the area of Svadhisthana or Muladhara, it would be more effective. This is why I can't answer where this or that color is. It's very individual and depends on the evolutionary level of consciousness. Yes, we can do it, of course, it's easier for the mind. We can take it for granted that colors vary from the lower infrared up to the ultraviolet. This would be correct. Well, for the mind, it's more easily understandable, but actually it's incorrect. Vishuddha is supposed to be indigo, for example. Maybe this is really so. But in my practice, I have never seen it indigo. I saw this chakra to have other colors. By the way, it's very dark, nearly black. Why? In this case, darkness is not synonymous to something negative. This is all-pervading darkness. This is a wraparound, unifying color. In Qigong, why are kidneys black? Why should one imagine the color black if kidneys are at the level of the Svadhisthana chakra? But Qigong doesn't take chakras into account. In Qigong we have Dantian, and when we heal kidneys, they are black. But where is the liver? It's virtually at the level of the Manipura chakra. That is to say that the Manipura chakra nourishes the liver and the stomach. It's like fire. 
It is symbolized by the color yellow, and the stomach we imagine it yellow. The spleen is nearly yellow, but why is the liver that is so close to them green? Many things are to be held in mind in this respect. This is why I advise people not to rely on images, but to learn to feel the centers. And they will start working by themselves because energy flows where attention goes. Hopefully I have answered this question. Yes, yes. You have mentioned something very interesting. Let's delve deeper into this topic. I'm talking about correlation of deities and chakras. There are branches of yoga that pay much attention to it, however. There are also those that don't consider it at all. But we are talking about Kriya Yoga, about chakras, and we touch on Tantra and Raja Yoga as well. Well, this is an important and frequently asked question. Honestly, my teacher Yogi Ramea, whose teachings I follow in Kriya Yoga, didn't pay much attention to correlation of devatas or deities and chakras. He used to say that in different schools of yoga, different deities are related to different chakras. You have mentioned that Ganesha is in Muladhara. Anahata is often thought of as Vishnu's space. Vishuddha is believed to be governed by Shiva. This is also yes and no, as when we talked about chakra colors. And whether there are deities is also yes and no. There exist Shakti branches that teach that in every chakra reside different Shaktis. There are branches that teach that in every chakra resides Shiva. Shiva is Brahma, as Vishnu, Shiva as Rudra, and so on and so forth, so on and so forth. I had another Kriya Yoga teacher, Ganapati Sachidananda Swami, a great manifestation of God living in Mysore, a big friend of Satya Sai Baba. I was lucky to attend his general seminars at the time when Yogi Ramaya was still alive, plus I had some individual classes. And it was really great that branches of authentic Kriya Yoga that are so different now are all recognizable. Ganapati Sachidananda Swami, an incarnation of Dattatreya, learnt the science of Kriya Yoga from Mahavatar Babaji, Agastya Muni, and Goraknath. Generally, he teaches certain things. Now he has begun to give seminars gathering three to five thousand people, but of course, only basics are taught there. I remember seminars for twenty to thirty people, and there was an opportunity of individual work. This was of course an absolutely different level. He has a hall that is generally not used in the ashram, but I can access it, and there is a big painting there. It depicts all the seven chakras with bijas, with pictures of some goddesses. This is a very well-known painting. This place cannot be freely visited, but the painting is very interesting. But there was a time when he used to hold many Kriya Yoga seminars in that hall. Well, deities and chakras, what can you say about it? What do they symbolize? Do we need to pay attention to it? How objective is this knowledge? What's your point of view? Real knowledge is always objective. We can't look at things only from one angle. We must remember that there are 360 degrees for the things to be looked at. And this extensive aspect of knowledge includes every manifestation. In my practice of Kriya, we exercise a scientific approach. 
We go towards our goals through the science of Kriya Yoga. We don't consider the principles of deities and we don't consider things associated with elements that point at the correlation of a manifestation of God and a certain chakra in particular. But we don't reject this concept because there are people with religious views. They are interested in it. They recite mantras and pray to a particular deity. For them it's very important to know where this deity thrones and how it can be perceived by man. Yes, our centers are very sensitive. These are not merely energy information, but spiritual centers as well. And these spiritual centers are, of course, linked to the elements of the spiritual universe and even demigods and gods. When we say that our body is a spiritual and material universe, an expression, microcosmos, there's a macro hierarchy or macro structure and a micro hierarchy. We bear in mind that at a certain level of consciousness, that is physically manifested as chakras or a body or body parts, there are those demigods, that hierarchy that exists. I totally agree with it. But the thing is that we don't really need it now. It's enough to practice Kriya and develop the feeling of love. And God the Creator will do everything that is necessary Himself. If one devotes a lot of time and attention to a certain deity, and later turn to another in an attempt to understand all these things, they just won't have enough time for it. But the universal nature of the science of Kriya consists in the following. When your practice is universal, all deities are manifested in you as your personal traits. It doesn't mean, however, that you must meet Saraswati face to face to gain wisdom, to get her advice or siddhas. No, she will awaken within you. It's like when we recite a mantra and the qualities of God that are contained in this mantra, in this bija, awaken in the human consciousness at different levels. In this way we go all through this hierarchy, we gain knowledge about the entire spiritual and physical universe. So yes, I agree that these things exist, and they are here as symbols. But some people may say, okay, if Shiva is the Supreme God, and He is within me now, say, in the Vishuddha Chakra, it follows that in my friend's Vishuddha Chakra, Shiva is not present. If he is within me, how can he be somewhere else? You see, our mind doesn't stop separating things. An ordinary mind can't embrace the following idea. If God has created the entire universe, who then created God? Where was God before the universe appeared? Questions that cannot be answered. If God is omnipotent, He must create. Some smart Alex say, if God is omnipotent, He must create something that He won't be able to lift. You see? It's a game. It's a mind trap where one is restricted within their own limits that are set by their restrictions. This is why we don't consider these things from the perspective of an ordinary reasoned perception. Some things that exist transcend the mind. 
And there, beyond the mind, are the levels of exploring this world from the perspective of Shakti energies that are expressed as Shiva or Brahma or Vishnu. Essentially, this is the same energy that manifests somewhat differently. We know that there are divine triads or Tridevas. Tridevas have peculiar abilities and qualities. We can't say that Brahma or Shiva or Vishnu is better than the others. None is better, none is worse. These are different types of energies. These energies are strongly manifested in us. They can manifest in different ways, and one day we can discover, for example, that we have music aptitude. We begin to feel the sound, we begin to understand that we are growing, we feel something that we have never heard or seen. For example, we discover that we possess certain knowledge. And this goddess that we call Saraswati thus manifests in us. And we worship and praise her being grateful to this goddess. This is usually depicted and perceived by us as a beautiful woman with a sitar and so on. The same is true for multi-armed Shiva or Rudra. When we become very active, when we want to have a fight with someone and so on, when we want to see justice done, Bhairava manifests in us. This is a quality, the quality of these expressed energies. But a primitive consciousness, of course, reduces this sublime spirituality down to their own level and transforms it into simple egoic qualities that are far from reality, from that truth. So yes, to sum it up, there is, of course, a hierarchy within us. There are demigods that can come to our call, respond to our prayer, to our appeal, as this is their job. But those who gain awareness of gods or demigods within through the ascension of the spirit or consciousness are in control of all these hierarchies without needing anyone to serve them. Because a realized yogi is superior to the entire hierarchy. This is how I see it. Well, now I'd like to reveal a little secret to our audience. It's time we called it a night. Already? I still have a huge list of questions about chakras, and I plan to ask you these questions in our next video. I'll tell you another secret. We plan to devote one of the subsequent videos to the topic of reincarnation, past life, future life. But we have to postpone it, because you give so detailed, so elaborate answers that questions will pop up again and again. They just come from nowhere, and there are still so many of them. So let's say goodbye for now. I am very grateful to you for sharing your knowledge and for the time you devoted to this fundamental matter, the matter of chakras. Let me remind the audience that we have already made many videos with Imram Giri, and you are welcome to watch them again and again. To my mind, videos about Satya Sai Baba and a very complicated topic of Mahavatar Babaji are very interesting. Do you remember a very interesting video on Kachari Mudra, Sambhavi Mudra, and information hygiene? This topic is very important for spiritual practitioners.
Soon we'll publish videos on different aspects, including reincarnation. And we'll continue our discussion of chakras as well. What we've discussed today is only a fraction of what I'd like to ask. So be sure to watch our coming videos. Thank you. Sairam.